This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we're talking all about salad. Now, this topic was requested by one of my patrons over at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod, Gabriel. So thank you, Gabriel. And if you are listening and you're like, oh, I would love to request a topic for an episode of the show, how do I do that? You can, once again, go to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate as little as a dollar a month, and then you will be allowed to request topics for episodes of the show. It's that easy. So again, that's patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to make that happen. Before we start the show, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, I think it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Um, A quick content warning before we get into this episode. In the second half of today's show, we talk a lot about eating disorder recovery, intuitive eating, and diet culture. Um, So if you're in a headspace today where that's going to be hard for you to listen to, I totally get it. Uh, I do think the conversation that we have is one that could also be helpful, uh, and we don't go like too into like graphic detail or anything, um, but I don't want you to listen to it if you think it's going to wreck your day, because that's not fun for anyone involved, and I want you to feel good and have fun listening to the show. Um, So if you don't want to hear that part of the conversation, it only starts after the mid-roll, so if you want to avoid it, that's a really solid spot to stop listening. You can just listen to the first half of the episode and then you know, call it quits for the second. Um, but I would encourage you to listen through the rest of it if you are in the right headspace for it, because I think it's a really good conversation that was worth having. Now, when I say the word salad, you almost certainly have some kind of image pop into your mind. Whether it's a pile of lettuce and chopped up veggies tossed in a vinaigrette, potatoes mixed with eggs and mayonnaise, finely diced herbs, or even a bowl full of fruit, the salad is a beautiful thing. You can eat it as a side, you can eat it as a meal, you can even eat it as dessert. It's versatile, it's international, and most importantly, it's delicious. But salad also gets a bad rap. People see it as a diet food reserved for people trying to make air quotes healthy choices, or just as a side or entree for the air quotes real food. (laughs) Today, we're going to try and change that a little bit, because salads are so much more than just a healthy option or an afterthought on a burger plate. They can be bold, flavorful, and filling in their own right. 
My guest today, Tefer Ajemian, is, I think, the biggest salad advocate I have ever met and has encouraged me to eat way more salad over the past few years than I ever did before. So I'm hoping that our conversation today will give you a bit more love for salad and maybe open your mind to the potential that it holds too. All right, my guest on this salad-themed episode of the No Bad Food Podcast is the one, the only, Tefer Ajemian. Tefer is the first in-person guest that I'm having on this show and also the first in-person guest we've had in the studio with me, at least, in a very, very long time. And, and frankly, I'm kind of shocked it took us this long to do this because we live in the same house. Uh, Tefer, for those of you who don't know, is the host and producer of the Yeah! podcast here on the Upford Network, a show about young adult literature and the lessons we can learn from it at any age. Tefer is also a lifelong fan of salad and the person who gave me a later-in-life appreciation for salad by, you know, feeding it to me. <laughs> Directly. <laughs> It sounds like you. It sounds like I tied you down and just forced you to eat salad until you liked it, which isn't incorrect. No, but it was more consensual than that. It was more like a baby birding kind of situation. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Stop slandering me on the internet. Tefer, welcome to the show. Tom, it's good to be here. Uh, before we dive into this big leafy bowl of greens, how about you give the audience a little bit of what's that face? <laughs> how about you give the audience a little bit of context for yourself? Tell us who you are, how you grew up eating, what you eat now. You know. I know, but they don't. So enlighten us. Hi, Tom. Well, (laughs) (laughs) so tell us about Teffer. Salad for me is a very nostalgic, homey dish. I grew up in a family, um, in a large family, a large kind of hippie gardening family, but also my father's family is sort of a big Mediterranean mutt. We are Uh, In a sense, I shouldn't say mutt, that's offensive, but we are a big big Mediterranean tossed bowl of salad greens. (laughs) We got a lot of Mediterranean going on. So uh, my grandfather was Armenian, my grandmother was Italian, they met in Provence in the south of France, Um, and at the time, this would have been in the... out of 40s, I guess, the Armenian and Italian immigrant populations in Provence did not really mix. You, you, Italians married Italians, Armenians married Armenians. Mm-hmm. When my grandparents started dating, it was a big scandal. My grandmother's best friend did not come to her wedding. And my grandfather, my pépé, in order to show his commitment to the family and kind of demonstrate that he was really invested, learned how to cook from my great-grandmother, my mémé Anna. My pépé was a boulanger in France. He was a bread baker and and loved to cook. That was his passion. And so we, we had sort of a mixed... Mediterranean food style in my family. You know, my dad learned how to cook in the south of France from his Italian and Armenian parents. My Pipe learned how to cook Italian food, but he still definitely had an Armenian flair from his family. And all of that was sort of flavored by Provence. And then they moved to the Bronx and got you know, cooking ideas from their neighbors. They were in a pretty Jewish neighborhood. They had a lot of Jewish neighbors. They learned stuff from there. So, and my father learned to cook very young and worked in restaurants. And food is just intricately, intricately enmeshed in my family, as it is for so many immigrant families, right? Um, My mother's side of the family is uh, pretty much the opposite. Very American, like Harvard, Yale, been here forever. Uh, Well, you know, (laughs) forever from a colonist perspective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And my mom, when she married my dad, just kind of adopted the, I mean, I think she fell in love with him for his food in large part. So I grew up eating just beautiful beautiful (laughs) food didn't have a ton of money but you know just kind of taking what we had and Mm -hmm. and making beautiful meals out of it and um part of those meals was always salad we always had salad at dinner right 
Um, the salad we had at dinner was usually just whatever greens we had, usually from the garden, sometimes from the supermarket, with a vinaigrette that my family makes that is famous, that people mm-hmm. have asked us for the recipe for, and I've te- taught people to make, and they never can quite capture it. It's sure. our It's our own little family magic. Uh, in a big wooden bowl and you make the vinaigrette first in the bottom of the bowl you cut up the veggies you throw them in and it was a making the salad was a family ritual Mm -hmm. making salad was the way I learned how to cook like the first time I remember cutting up vegetables was it like learning how to cut I was cutting vegetables for a salad when I was three or four you know the salad dressing was the first thing I learned how to make as I got a little bigger I would get trusted with making the salad Uh, for supper time okay and I I could get a little creative I could decide what went into it um within a certain framework so there's always parameters there's always parameters (laughs) one of my earliest memories of like (laughs) parental approval um (laughs) which you know they're they're few and far between so I'm gonna take them um was uh, my dad asking me to rip up the lettuce for mm-hmm. the salad bowl because we didn't cut it. We ripped it. You sure. hand rip it. And I started ripping it and he was like, wow, you're like not bruising it. That's great. I didn't know you'd be able to do that. And I was like, yeah. So it's definitely, it's nostalgic. Sure. It's familial. It's a beautiful ritual. You know, I've gifted people salad bowls for their weddings to let them kind of take that on because it's something my family's known for. It's mm-hmm. really symbolic of my family. And so that's, that's really like where it's grounded for cool. me is just salad to me is... Salad is food. Like, sure. even though we don't do this tradition in our family, I'd love to get into it. But, mm-hmm. like, sometimes I'll have dinner. I'll still have dinner and be like, this isn't complete. Like, where's my salad? Like, right, where's yeah. the salad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. Like, I uh, I mean, so obviously, you know, we are partners. We live together. We feed the same children and each <laughs> other on a daily basis. And I, I mean, I also grew up eating salad, like, a fair amount. But I think it was less a part of the culture and more just, like, if my mom wanted salad, we ate salad, and my mom wanted salad, like, semi-regularly. So for me, it was never as significant, I guess, as it is for you. And it isn't a thing that I naturally gravitate toward. But every time that I have salad, I'm like, oh, salad's great. I gotta, you know, do this more often. But then, you know, when it comes time to plan a meal, I'm like, all right, meat, potatoes, (laughs) cheese... Let's make well, this, this happen. Is, I mean, this is a situation right where you are Eastern European yeah. and I am Mediterranean. Right. <laughs> this is well, very... Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, in my mind, it's like, okay, salad, I'll do some slaw. Yeah. I'll uh, pickle something. I'll go. make a schnitzel. <laughs> yeah, that's a salad, right? Breadcrumbs on pork. Yeah. So, so let's like, I guess, let's get into like what makes a salad a salad. Because you and I, you know, we talked about this a little bit beforehand. And on this show, we frequently get into the sort of pedantics I guess of like what makes a food a food right mm-hmm. the the whole idea of is a hot dog a sandwich or is cereal soup um what makes a salad a salad in your mind because I think I have a pretty clear idea but I'm curious about your side of it so I have what I think of when I think of salad mm-hmm. and I have what I think a salad definition actually is okay they don't always line up and I'm, I'm going to outline both so for me when I think of salad I think of my family's garden salad I think of I think of greens tossed with a vinaigrette with some other things in it to make it satisfying and I you know like many other people got a little cranky about jello salads or sure. you know ambrosia salad or things like that however when we get into the history of salads mm-hmm. I am a big nerd And when I am preparing for a topic, I have to go back and research it 
as far back as I possibly can. Sure. So when you told me we were going to talk about salad, I was like, okay, fuck yeah, let's mm-hmm. go, let's go, let's let's look at salad. Where does yeah. salad come from? Scan that whole Wikipedia page. Absolutely. Learn every oh, detail. Wikipedia doesn't even get into enough detail. I was like looking up <laughs> obscure sites. I'm like googling like salads in the Tudor age. So salad, the <laughs> word salad, because etymology gives us all kinds of clues. Naturally, is from the Latin word for salt. Sal, salat. Oh. Salat means salted. So the earliest salads that we have documented, at least in, you know, available history. Sure. Now, I'm sure that if we went pre-Greek and pre-Roman, there's still salads all over the fucking place. Certainly. Uh, you know, like, let's look somewhere outside of Greece. But the earliest salads that we have documented on Wikipedia, anyway, are greens tossed with oil and salt. Right. And vinegar. So basically my family salad. Right. However, the word, which is fun because we're Italian, but the word salad just means salted, which I take to mean from the history, basically sauced. Mm. So I think etymologically, and when we look at the history, salad started in Italy and and like in the Mediterranean basin is basically just fresh herbs tossed with oil and vinegar because it's warm enough that you always have that. And you can always go outside and pick yourself a little salad and mix it up. Um, Salad oil we see as like a very valuable resource. People talking about it way back. When salad moves into England with Roman colonization, it didn't catch on as well. Hmm. So there's this idea of the four humors, right? The old... um, medical idea that we have four humors that have to be in balance and there's hot and dry and cold and wet slapstick sitcom improv yeah yeah england has a very cold and wet climate Mm. rome say has a very hot and dry climate so there's this idea of like well salads are very fine and good for the italians but is it really healthy for the english Mm. to eat salad because we need to balance so with tudor salads you have a lot of attention like you have health food in the tudor age but the health food in the tudor age is all about balancing the humors so it's like okay you can eat little tender fresh greens in england as long as you add a little spice or as long as you add a little sugar like you have to add something to balance the cold wet nature Mm. of the vegetable okay And then um, one of the ways you can balance the nature of the vegetables is by cooking or boiling. So in England, you get a lot of cooked salads, Mm -hmm. which we would think of as like a side dish, you know, like you get boiled spinach with salt and garlic is a salad. Right. And you have like Mary, Mary Queen of Scots is recorded as eating eating a salad of like um, boiled celery root on greens with like a a mustard sauce, which sounds dope. That sounds really great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so we see this develop, and we see that development into things like potato salad, mm-hmm. egg salad, right. so ambrosia salad, jello salad. Right. And jello salads start like way back. Je- like we mm. have jello salads in the Tudor age. I know right. people are like, jello salads come from the 50s and it's a hell's No, people yep. have been sh- sticking stuff in gelatin for a very long time yeah. because it's one of the ways you can get all the nutrition out of your animal carcass. That's it, yeah. And it, it also, I think, preserves a little bit. Like, uh, probably, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> anyway, all of that to say, my working definition of salad, which challenges my uh, desire to be snobby about mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm. Um, is that it is something tossed in a sauce. Sure. Okay. So mac and cheese is a salad. Okay. All right. I mean, mac and cheese is not too far off from like macaroni salad. Yeah. So I can I can accept that. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think like, so my friend Matt has this idea of a soup salad sandwich theory, yes. right? Which yeah. is that, you I'm know. Familiar. Yeah, anything, you know, anything that is not just an ingredient can be boiled down to either being a soup, a salad, or a sandwich. A salad being, you know, by virtue of not being, say, something between two pieces of bread, it's not a sandwich. It's not, you know, floating in liquid, it's not a soup. 
So it's, you know, a pile of stuff, yeah. right? <laughs> so stew is a salad. Well, no, because stew is more of a soup. I don't think stew is more of a soup. No? You don't want your stew to be floating. Well, no, but it's like, a, it's like a, it still has liquid to it, you know? Yeah, but like, yeah. it doesn't have more liquid than like a good potato salad. Mm, I don't know. I wouldn't, here's the thing, with a potato salad. Stew has gravy. That's the thing, You don't right? have gravy with a potato salad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With a stew, you would maybe put your spoon in and just scoop out some of the liquid and eat that because it's yummy. You wouldn't do that <laughs> with a potato salad. You're not just going to get a spoonful of like flavored mayo and just <laughs> delicious slurp it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm French. We established. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting thinking about the sort of like mixed salad kind of like yeah. whatever you want to call it, like toss a bunch of stuff together. It's a salad kind of situation. Because yeah. I think that that is especially if you look at things from kind of a global perspective, right? Instead of just very Western, like. I don't know the the whole well okay it's funny that I'm saying global because I'm going to come back to the Midwest but like the Midwestern like air quote salad where it's just something with lots of mayo on it whether it's potato salad or macaroni salad or whatever it may be that actually has its roots in like Eastern Europe and in Russia where that's just kind of also super duper mm-hmm. common is mm-hmm. to just throw a bunch of stuff together you'll get salad made with like fish and eggs and yeah. mustard or not mustard mayonnaise and it's like oh yeah this is a salad it's just not what we strictly think of because we've had the western media shoving the idea of lettuce and tomatoes down our throats for so long well it's climate also right like right. all you see more of these heavier quote-unquote heavier salads salads with less greens right. and fresh vegetables and more things that can be preserved mm-hmm. in colder climates exactly because like i was reading and it was like oh it seems that in england and salads weren't really eaten in the winter and I'm like well yes <laughs> like this makes sense no way like <laughs> they didn't have lettuce and tomatoes in the winter because you England? can't you can't just go out and, and pick your little greens like right. having fresh vegetables in the winter in northern climates is historically a luxury right which is something we've forgotten with the globalization of, of groceries right but with seasonal eating you do it some other way and right. you find those vitamins some other way. And like potatoes, that's a great example. Potatoes yep. stay and stay and they have a lot of vitamins in them and they, they do actually satisfy those nutritional needs right. that have us craving greens in February, right? right. Well, that's <laughs> it. And then it makes sense that, you know, the other elements in that would be something pickled, right? Because that, exactly. that's a way to preserve those cucumbers for longer is to turn them into pickles. Exactly. And then you end up with a salad that's potato and pickle based. Exactly. Which yeah. rules. Yeah. I love a potato salad. <laughs> Okay, what is your ideal salad? Because if we're if we're getting into the sort of nitty gritty of like you know, definitionally salad can be because I think we've kind of accepted like salad can be the kind of standard lettuce with a bunch of vegetables chopped up dressing yada yada. Uh, it can also be potato salad, macaroni salad. It can be tabbouleh. It can be you know any number of things. I make a really good bean salad. You know. You can make salad that is rice. I would argue that like a mixed rice dish is kind of a salad. So actually my family, something I forgot to mention when I was talking about my family is that Mm -hmm. another part of my family's salad culture is that in the summertime, we would just make huge batches of meal salads. So lentil salads, bean salads, rice salad, this wonderful beet salad with vinaigrette and mint. That's like, oh, I got to make it. I'm trying to remember all the... It was just like a bunch of different kinds of salads, like Mm. a bulgur salad tabbouleh would make. But Armenian tabbouleh, not Lebanese tabbouleh. So this is an important distinction. Right. Lebanese tabbouleh is the one that's just a bowl of chopped parsley. (laughs) Pretty much. Which is very... Actually, the Romans were into that shit. But like, I do not like to eat a bowl of chopped parsley. Fine. Um, (laughs) Armenian tabbouleh is very much like a bowl of bulgur that Mm -hmm. also has... Uh, parsley in it so I'm more into that sure Uh, shots fired 
I think there's so, room in the world for both. <laughs> I think there's room in the world for both. Look, if you love having the back of your throat just absolutely scratched to shit by a pile of parsley, the all the more power to you. <laughs> I personally do not love mining parsley out of my tonsils for a week um, just to eat a salad. Uh, however... We would make it because it, it means we could avoid cooking. We could just like pull something out of the fridge and eat it. Right. Um, so I'm 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 a salad enthusiast. I am an all salads are good salads enthusiast. If you uh, if you like it, you know I've had Jello salads that were great. Sure, yeah. like I'm still very eh about like I, I I don't do meat jelly yet. Like I know it's mm. a historical proud thing in many cultures, and I just haven't gotten there. I'm sure. very accustomed to jellies being sweet, mm. but like I'm I'm open to it. However, my ideal salad is what you asked me for. Yes. So you know that at my heart, can I say this? My family's going to listen to this. I want to say I'm a slut for fresh vegetables. I think that deep down, even the most like <laughs> conservative parts of your family would, would hear that statement and it would resonate with them. So if you are my family member and you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> they might not call themselves sluts for it. They might say I'm a hedonist for vegetables. So, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Because we're 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 uh, <coughs> educated, um, proper people. My family. <laughs> I love I love a fresh vegetable. Sure. And like yeah. one of my little joys this summer, I have a little balcony garden. We're making like herbs and peppers and tomatoes and one of my little joys this summer has been going out and picking my little tomatoes and cucumbers and mixing them up and having a little fresh garden salad that is where my heart is for salad but I love a big fresh salad that also serves as a meal sure so uh another part of this is that I am gluten intolerant I'm like pretty I'm like I don't have celiac disease I don't have to be super on top of it but I do try to avoid gluten sure. most of the time so that when I really don't want to um, I don't have to right so I eat a lot of salads for that reason because you really can start with a big pile of fresh greens mm-hmm. so my dream salad is little fresh tender crunchy greens um, I do love romaine I love a good romaine a good sure. salad that has some heartiness and some crunch to it you know well you know Toby just calls all lettuce romaine right does he, he oh does. my god um, he looks at lettuce and he says yeah that's romaine well, he also looks at purple and says, yeah, that's violet. He does. <laughs> Very <He> passive-aggressive <laughs> little tone. So. Um, yeah, romaine, endive, or mm-hmm. radicchio, another like bitter green, because sure. I like that sweet green and the bitter green. Watercress. I fucking love watercress. I love watercress so much. If I could just grow watercress and have an endless supply of it, when I eat watercress, my botter, my, my botter. <laughs> When I eat watercress, my body is like, yes, this is what I have been (laughs) waiting for my entire life. Like, I don't know if it's just really packed with a mineral that I really need. But when I eat it, I just never want to stop. I feel like (laughs) I feel like if you've ever seen like a moose just like eating weeds out of a lake. Right. That's what I feel. (laughs) So watercress. Cucumbers, tomatoes have to be there for me. Uh, I like a little bit of fruit in there. Maybe a stone fruit. Maybe a little nice apple. Mm. Um. I'd like some some hard-boiled eggs, some good hard-boiled eggs. I'd like some chicken in there. I don't need cheese. I have controversial views about cheese, but I don't Mm. need cheese in my salad. Okay. And honestly, like, I really do, like, I like other salad dressings, but when it comes down to it, a good balsamic vinaigrette, like, I, it can't be beat for me. Toss sure. that all up, let it macerate for a little bit, let the tomatoes kind of juice out. Yeah, I would just yummy down on that. Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. That sounds great to me. Yeah. I do feel like at its like base, for a salad to be satisfying, it needs something crunchy and it needs something 
tomato-ish something yeah. juicy something yeah. crunchy uh something creamy is always really nice if you have it sure um grapes are super nice in salad because you're Ooh. going along you get that little pop uh crunch is nice if you want to throw some nuts in there mm-hmm. i mean that's the thing like salads ultimately they're a textural play right and like who doesn't love textural play like yeah. you can just like throw like perfect salad okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's all about balance mm-hmm. you want that freshness you want it to be filling because just eating a bowl of lettuce it's like nice it's a nice accompaniment but like even the romans they ate it as like an, a beginning to the meal to sure. just kind of get your mouth watering right? right which salt and vinegar do yeah herbs are nice like you just you want and and you want everything in the right sizes and the right toss together so that every bite you get like a little bit of everything yeah you know that's it I feel like the most satisfying salad experiences for me are the ones where I can if I want to get everything on my fork relatively easily mm-hmm. that's why I love my I think my my favorite kind of salad is a Greek salad yes so like tomatoes cucumber <laughs> olives onion feta I'm gonna say it not lettuce I don't put lettuce in my Greek salad. I don't believe in lettuce in my Greek salad. When I get a Greek salad and there's lettuce in it, I'm a little annoyed. It doesn't ruin it for me. I'm just, I don't need it. Um, I feel like that is a perfect salad for me because every element is a chunk. Yeah. And I can kind of spear them all on my fork. and. So here's my problem with Greek salad. And this mm. may be the problem with, my problem with Greek salad may be about my tiny jaw. Sure. Um, Everything is too big. Yep. And I can't actually do that. Right. So when I eat a Greek <laughs> salad, I have to eat it one chunk at a time. Right. And it's just, I don't, I don't really like that. Fair I don't enough. like to have to do that. Yeah. Um, but that reminds me that I didn't mention olives, which are also great in salads. Olives are wonderful. Yeah. I do feel like my one gripe with Greek salad is that the olives are never pitted, which makes them a, a challenge when you're eating them. You are a soft boy. <laughs> well, it's not that I'm, it's, <laughs> look, look. I, I will eat pit I will eat olives with pits just as a snack. It's more when I'm eating something with my fork. <laughs> you can't stab an olive particularly easily. You have to get it at the right angle or you Maybe hit the pit. You can't. Okay, all right. Don't have me on your podcast as an expert <laughs> if you can't take it. <laughs> my bad, my bad. I'm just saying I feel like the the to make a Greek salad perfect, you'd need to go to the trouble of pitting every olive. Sure. And that's a pain in the ass. True. But thankfully you can buy jars of pitted olives yeah yeah you can i don't know why people don't i think it's harder to get kalamata olives pitted though because the pits like cling to the olive they do you know so there's that yeah yeah because you don't want to have a greek salad without kalamata olives no exactly that would be weird yeah yeah i would argue maybe not even a greek salad anymore at that point which is wild because i'm sure that there are plenty of non-kalamata olives that grow in greece but like not my i would accept those little oil cured black olives like the pizza olives no, not like the canned olives, like oil cured, like the dry wrinkly boys. Oh, yeah, like the sure. The raisins, you know? Sure. They're, they're deli- Oh, <laughs> my mouth is watering. Mm, should, I love those olives. Should we get olives. some olives today? Yeah, give yeah. me some oil cured black olives. I'm going to just, <laughs> I'm going to start drooling. But for me, green olives are very like Provençal, sure. like Piemontese. Like they're very like Northern, Northern mm. Italy and Southern France because mm, the big, sweet, green Provençal olives are like. <laughs> my, my like dream is that one day the grocery store that we default to will be one that has like a proper olive bar because ours doesn't. And that's no. kind of like, I don't love that about it. You know, it has an OK selection, but like. I don't know. I want I want to go to a place where like I mean I, I don't want to do this now because we're in a pandemic. But you know when you you, you scoop s- self serve, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. used to go to this um this Italian shop in 
Ottawa that's still there called Nicastro's and go and just like stock up on like olives and everything like once a month or every couple of months or so when we had dentist appointments so mm, like right. twice a year I guess <laughs> well yeah you need to get some olives after your dentist appointment oh yeah <laughs> It's just, it's essential. Always. I remember going there actually once with my sister had just gotten a bunch of fillings. Mm. And our tradition was that we always went to Nicastro's and got like like sandwiches okay. after. But she'd just gotten a million fillings. Oh, so no. we went and got our sandwiches and got her a yogurt. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rachel. At least the rest of you got sandwiches. Well, yeah. You know. Hey, it's the mid-roll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating or review I get during the month of September, I'll be donating $2 to The Depot, my local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple, free act of leaving a rating or review of this show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. That's a lot of salad. There's no other way to turn zero into six so if that math is exciting for you go do it you can read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode now that this show has been heavily focused on food for a while uh, i went back and noticed that most of our existing apple podcast reviews uh, still talk about the show like it's a comedy podcast and also misgender me Uh, so if you've left a review in the past maybe take this opportunity to go update it and i'll count that as a new review even if it's technically just an update of an old one because accurate reviews are a lot more helpful than old ones and i also don't like being misgendered Remember, I use they, them pronouns now exclusively. Thank you. If you're listening to this from Montreal and you like the idea of buying tasty food cooked for you by a podcaster, look no further. I sell food now. You can go to my Instagram page, at Tonsalatini, for all the details. But basically, you order, I cook, you pay me, and then you get food from me. And it's tasty, and I need money because school and toddlers are both expensive. And, uh, you know, uh, you could help me with that and get some food in the process at my Instagram page. The special this month is lasagna. It's tasty. That's that's all. Eat my lasagna. Lastly, if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where I flew solo and answered a bunch of questions from past guests, go queue that up to listen to it when you finish this one. I had a lot of fun just kind of getting to talk about myself and the food that I love for a bit, and I'm excited to do another one of those Q&A episodes sometime soon, uh, probably in October. So yeah, go check that out. All right, that is enough for me. Let's get back to my conversation with Teffer. So obviously we can't talk about salad without talking about diet culture, a thing that you and I both super duper hate. (laughs) Um, Obviously, you know, as children of the 90s, as adults of the now, we have spent most of our lives being told that salad is the healthiest option at a lot of places. Uh, A lot of the time, if you go to a restaurant and people are on a diet, they're going to get the salad. Um, uh, Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I hate that for salad, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's just unfair, but it's true. And, like, when I think back, you know, I've, I've painted this really idyllic picture of my childhood having mm-hmm. salads every dinner. I am positive that part of that was because it was the 90s. And it was like you couldn't have second helpings of dinner until you'd had a helping of salad. Like, sure. it was it was absolutely, like fill you up with fiber um which may have also been a monetary thing in my family because there were a lot of us but yeah but it wasn't primarily motivated by like poop state it was it was motivated by nutrition oh yeah 100 percent. and um yeah salad you know there's all the stock photos of women laughing alone with salad like salad has been painted as very feminine salad has been painted as uh, what you eat to stay thin, those two things are related. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, 
I this has made my relationship with salad very complicated because I love it. It's delicious. I love to eat it. Yeah. But I'm so aware, like, if I order a salad somewhere, that people will be like, especially because I'm fat, people will be like, oh, my God, like, look at you. Like, there's this whole baggage around it. It's like, oh, the good fatty is eating a salad. (laughs) Or it's like, oh, they must want to get thin. And it's just like, oh, no, I just like the salad. And, like, not being able to eat gluten gives me a little bit of an out on that. But even that, Mm -hmm. it's like people will assume that I'm doing that to lose weight and and I'm not I just like vegetables and I would just like to be able to just eat some fucking vegetables but like in the past it's funny because I've actually like on purpose ordered other things right because I've gotten so self-conscious about ordering a salad and what people are gonna think about Mm -hmm. if they see me order a salad (laughs) that I'll just order something I don't want so that I can like avoid that and it's also just like like we've talked about like there's this idea that like a potato salad with eggs and pickles is somehow less good for you right. than a green salad. And it's like, well, I mean, that really depends on what your nutritional needs are. Yeah. If you are super hungry and what you need is a bunch of calories fast, yeah. you want to eat the potato salad with the eggs and pickles. If you are um, have scurvy, you, you might want to eat the green salad. Yeah. But like it's really it's it's interesting because like when you look historically at salads, the little dressed green salads have never been treated like a meal. Right. It's an it's an aperitif. It's yeah. like or something medicinal or something to help with your digestion. It's very much a mm-hmm. side. This idea of a salad being a meal is kind of new and it's this idea of like yeah, it's this weird like sanctimonious thing. Right. And I really don't like that because I yeah. want to be able to just like salad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. I I I get really frustrated like so obviously, you know, you and I we've We've lived together for like four years now. We've eaten most meals together yeah. as a result of that over the last four years. And so we do a lot of takeout together. Yeah. And I find, you know, my measure of what am I trying to say? I think a lot about the way that specific foods, specific cuisines, specific like types of food relate to takeout and like dine in options, right? Just because, like, that's the world we live in. We get takeout semi-regularly, fairly regularly, if we're being honest, uh, since the pandemic. And, like, I think about, you know, how does this... What's the access point of this, right? And I appreciate places where you can get a salad that is a meal-sized salad. Because... I mean, like you were saying, you want that most of the time. I do. I (laughs) almost always want a salad. Yeah, and that's great because, like... Most places, you know, that we order from have that, but we'll also have other options as well. Mm -hmm. But I never look at your salad and think that doesn't look like enough food. Yeah. Right? And Mm -hmm. I love that because Mm -hmm. I do feel like salad places, on the flip side, anytime we order from a salad place specifically, because we're like, oh, I want like a full salad with like a lot of stuff in it, which is nice. They're always fucking overpriced. There's never enough in them. Yeah. The the sizes are terrible. And it's yeah. like, why did we just spend the same amount on two salads that are like, you know, the size of a softball mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of, mm-hmm. you know, ordering from a different place, paying the same amount of money and having so much food that both of us are full afterward. But this is very real. And yeah. it's I mean, I'm gonna just gonna coin this, but it's like the sanctimonious yeah. tax. It's it's you pay a little extra to order from a place that gives you some social clout yep. because performing thinness 
provides social value. That's it. And, Which feels yeah. extra ridiculous when we're doing takeout over Uber Eats, when no one except for our Uber Eats driver, who super doesn't give a shit, is going to see us and give us social clout. Yeah, but see, like 10 years ago, five years ago, honestly, I would have been like the Uber Eats driver absolutely cares and is looking at what I am eating and mm-hmm. is judging me. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, see, so I, I've been very open with this. I am in recovery for an eating disorder. Um, I've had anorexia for you know my entire life mm-hmm. um and for a long time when i was in recovery um well <laughs> if i'm in re- you know eating disorder recovery is a whole journey it goes up and down when i started practicing intuitive eating mm-hmm. as a way to um work through having an eating disorder and hopefully cease having disordered eating patterns mm-hmm. at first i felt like i had to stop eating anything that i labeled healthy food you know like anything that felt like diet culture food to me I was like oh I I need to like avoid that Mm. and I need to eat these things I've been denying myself right and like if I do want to have a salad and if I do eat a salad it's probably my disordered eating brain thinking and it's probably not that I actually want it which is I mean for anybody who practices intuitive eating that is that's not how it works right you're supposed to eat like what you want to eat whether that is an entire head of set of lettuce in a bowl or you know, a carton of ice cream because you're feeling sad. Like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to listen to your body cues. But it took me a while. And so for a while, I was actually eating food that I didn't super enjoy. <laughs> right. Um, because I felt like I was supposed to. Like, I felt right. like I was supposed to do it right. And if I was doing intuitive eating right, I wouldn't be eating a salad every day. Right. Which is silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, I, I ju- but I just like I really hate that for me because of the way diet culture categorizes salad because salad has become the paragon of like performing thinness like eating a salad is performing thinness. Right. I felt like diet culture took that away from me mm. for several years right. and took away one of my favorite foods because I really didn't want to be part of that attitude. Right. And now, thankfully, like, I'm at a point where I'm just like, eh, fuck it. I'm going to eat the salad if I want the salad. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's so tough because, like, yeah. you, it's it's hard when a thing that you genuinely enjoy becomes something political. Yeah. Right? Or something <laughs> triggering, frankly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like you can't have this thing without it having meaning behind it beyond being the thing you want to have. That sucks. I feel like I I feel like I had an analog example of another thing that I felt like that about recently and I can't remember what it was. Being queer and liking baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the same way that I feel about like, you know, being a queer non-binary person who has like you know, interests that are traditionally masculine, whatever that means, you know, baseball and barbecue and even video games to some extent are things that I genuinely enjoy and like have felt like, oh, well, like, you know, I can't enjoy that as much as I do because it, you know, is a thing that doesn't belong to me or whatever, or that belongs to me too much. I don't even know. Yeah. That it's perform well again. It's if eating a salad is performing thinness. If eating a salad is performing diet culture, there's right. this idea that like eating ribs and watching the game is performing masculinity. Right, exactly. That's it. And it's yeah. like no, for me, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not performing masculinity. It's performing eating ribs and watching the game. Two <laughs> things I like to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. And I remember when we first got together, 
you were still in, I mean, uh, you know, recovery from eating disorder is a lifelong thing, like you said, but you were in a period where you had been denied a lot of stuff for a long time. And so for the first little while, we were really eating like whatever, and it was usually (laughs) junk. It was a lot of pizza. Well, no, there's no bad food. Exactly. Yeah. But we ate like a lot of pizza and a lot of ice cream and a lot of like fries. And it it was great. It was great because I had been denying that to myself for such a long time. That's it. And like for me, it was great because it was like, oh, I have someone I can share this with. This is how I eat. (laughs) Now I can share this with you. But after a certain point, like you said, you got to a point where you were like, oh, you know, I think like as fun as this has been, (laughs) as nice (laughs) as it is to have these options, I think what I actually want is a salad. (laughs) And like uh, that was that was so crazy for me because I was like, oh, yeah, huh. You can just want salad. (laughs) You can just crave this. Like this can be the thing that you genuinely want. And I think that that speaks to an appreciation of something when you have explored a bunch of other options, when you have found stuff you like, you know, you've been like, yeah, this is a great kind of sandwich or this pizza rules or whatever. And you still go, but I think today what I really want most is a salad. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I I appreciate that you like have that. Yeah. I want to just, because you've told that story, and that is like definitely the same period of time I was thinking about, but um, I want to put it out there for anybody listening to this who has maybe considered intuitive eating and been interested in intuitive eating and been really worried about what if I can't stop? Because this is something that when people are first practicing intuitive eating. So intuitive eating, you can look it up. I am not a nutritionist. I am just somebody who does it. Um, It has been very helpful for me. It's really just following your hunger cues the same way you would follow your thirst cues. You know, if you're thirsty, you drink something. Uh, If you're hungry, you eat something. And and you trust your appetite and your body to tell Mm -hmm. you what you need at that time. And for a lot of people who are just starting out intuitive eating, for me as well, when you first start doing it, you have all these overwhelming cravings Mm -hmm. uh, because you've been denying yourself. So cravings come from denial. Right. Cravings you will crave a lot of fat if you've been denying yourself fat. You will crave sugar if you've been denying yourself sugar until your body kind of gets used to it. So when you start eating, this is why people will talk about like sugar being addictive. It's because if you haven't been eating it for a long time and then you try it, your body is like, oh, fuck yes, that. Right, yeah. Like that is easily accessible <laughs> energy. I want that. Right. And you will feel very much at the mercy of your cravings for a while. And you, I suggest that you just enjoy it, just right. lean into it and have fun and enjoy it. But eventually once, I think of it as like, you have all of these deficiencies because mm-hmm. you've been denying things and you need to fill in holes. Like when right. you haven't eaten carbs in a really long time, you don't have the kind of stored energy that you get from eating carbs. So you have to store up that backlog. So like, of course you have to eat a whole bunch. Like you haven't been eating it in years. You have to make up for lost time. But eventually your body does find balance. You Mm -hmm. find equilibrium. And at this point, like I probably, frankly, I probably crave greens as often as I crave sugar. Sure. Like I crave them both. They provide different things to my body i am anemic so i crave greens a lot because they're full of iron (laughs) um but i just want to i just want to like just in case there's anybody listening who's thinking maybe i want to trust start trusting my body on Mm. this yeah i just want to give you the little sign and the little encouragement that you really should yeah because your body knows what it needs and your body knows what it wants and your body knows how to take care of itself. Yeah. So just do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And and kind of coming from like the the flip side of that coin a little bit where like 
I don't have an eating disorder. I'm going to say that right out of the gate. But I do feel like I have a, like, a kind of flip-flopping relationship with food a little bit in terms of, like, how I respond to my cravings, mm-hmm. right? Where I I try to... I am someone who... I describe it as an aggressively open relationship to food, <laughs> right? Where I will eat everything. I yeah. will I will eat whatever I am craving at any given time. Often in mod... Often... In excess. In in moderation. (laughs) In moderation, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that the the intuitive eating side, I think, is something that even if you're someone who, like me, doesn't struggle with eating enough, but, but finds yourself, you know, frequently eating a lot of something because you're like craving that taste or whatever and then you feel bad afterward uh i think that there is also something in listening to what your body wants when you're looking at the menu that you're about to order from and going what actually when i read it today sounds great Mm -hmm. because like you know if i'm craving a poutine yeah i'm gonna get a poutine because i like poutine i don't care (laughs) you know on a nutrition level where it's at but if I'm ordering poutine from a place that has a lot of options, I'm not always going to get, you know, the heaviest one. I might get something that has, you know, vegetables all over it. I might get something a little bit lighter. I might get something with a different flavor profile. And I think that if you if you listen to the nuance of what your, your body is craving in those moments, you're going to open yourself up to more options. You're going to sometimes go, oh, maybe what I actually want here is this other thing that has a similar flavor profile to this option that I just found, right? I start ordering poutine. I go, maybe I want a Mexican poutine. Oh, what I actually want is a burrito bowl. Yeah. You know? And then all of a sudden you're, you're exploring more things. You're listening to yourself a little bit better. And that's a beautiful thing. And Mm. like for people who like me don't immediately gravitate towards salads, I would encourage you to look at the salad options when you're looking at salads from places because sometimes the salads rule. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to find a really fucking good salad that you would have ignored because it was in the salad section and you're like, I want a pizza. And it's like, no, you can get a cop salad. You a can cop get... salad is nothing like a pizza, though. No. But cop salads I mean. are delicious. That's one of my top salads. Well, that's it. Like, <laughs> you, you, can, you can get salads that satisfy cravings. Yeah, you can. Right? Mm-hmm. And like, this is something, I mean, yeah. I've learned as someone who can't eat gluten, right? right? Like, if I want a pizza, I can't have a pizza or I'm going to feel hungover for two days. Like, <laughs> sure. I'm only going to have a pizza if, I, if the hangover is worth it, frankly. Right. I really do approach gluten the same way I approach alcohol. Right. Of, like, do I, is this worth it to me? Right. And um, you do, you find, so, like... What I found really interesting is I learned my body's craving vocabulary. Mm. So like I'm craving I'm craving a pizza. Okay, am I craving fat? Am I craving salt? Right. Like, can I give myself some melty cheese? Or, like, can I give myself some nachos? If I give myself sure. some nachos with like a sweeter tomato to it, mm. will that satisfy it? Or do I really just need to spring for the gluten free pizza that's five dollars right. more? Yeah. But something you said I wanted to just touch on. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I know we're running over time. That's here, okay. But... For you, we can run over time. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Lenny. Um, hey, Toby's in daycare. We got all the time we need. I mean, I'm working today. Whatever. The flip side of honoring your cravings and honoring your appetite is honoring your satiation. Yeah. Say that again. The flip side of honoring your cravings and honoring your appetite is honoring your satiation. Yep. Eat till you're full. You don't have to clear your plate. You can save it. Even yeah. if it's just a couple of bites, you can save it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so first I had to learn to honor my appetite. 
And then I had to learn to honor <laughs> my satiation. And that is a scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like when you've been denying yourself something you love and you have it, you want to just pack it all in. Right. You want to eat it all because you feel like you're never going to see it again. That's that's biological, right? Yeah. Like that's like you find some berries, you're a hunter-gatherer, you find some berries, you eat all the fucking berries. Right. Like, <laughs> well, and, and you know what? I ha- I think, I think, you know, if we're talking about honoring our hunger and honoring our appetites, part of honor is paying attention to a limit. Yep, exactly. Right? Exactly. So when you order the extra large poutine and you eat half of it and start to feel full, honoring the hunger that you had for it in the first place is saying cool this has served its need and setting it aside and you know what on the scarcity side of things guess what buddy you got a second <laughs> poutine now <laughs> one something i read recently that has really been resonating in my brain and i wish i could remember who i read it from mm. it was i i'm really annoyed that i can't because i want to attribute this to sure. whoever said it um but it was you know i was reading about eating disorder recovery because i had a really really bad relapse this mm. spring when we started looking at seeing people in person as I think a lot of my fellow eating disorder folks did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of eating disorder recovery is taking the fear out of eating. Right. That's the important thing. It's it's taking the fear out of eating. I read, when you are really hungry, you need to eat now. It doesn't mean you have to eat a lot. It means you have to eat now. Mm. So the hungrier you are, the more urgently you need to eat. Right. But it doesn't mean because I'm super hungry... I have to eat a lot of food, which is sometimes like we're uh, we're going to have to put a trigger warning on this episode. But for my brain, like I, I, I will get into like I'm so hungry and then I get so scared to eat because I'm scared that if I start eating when I'm this hungry, mm-hmm. I won't be able to stop eating. Right. Which is a ridiculous fear. Right. Because like, of course, we'll be able to stop eating because sure. hu- human stomachs have a capacity. Right. But like <laughs> yeah, after a certain point, you will not be able to swallow more. Yeah. yeah. And this the same person. And I again, I wish I could attribute to this to them was pointing out that um, binge eating is, in fact, a restriction mm-hmm. disorder. Right. Um, because you restrict and restrict and restrict and then you feel that just overwhelming abundant need to eat right which i don't have binge eating disorder but i i get it right yeah you honoring when you're full understanding part of it is just you have to unlearn the restriction mindset Mm. so you have to be able to tell yourself okay I can stop eating now. I'm feeling full and I can stop eating now. Right. I can stop eating now because if I'm hungry again in half an hour, I can eat more. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, you know, for someone like me where I like was restricting myself to eating at one, like one time a day for such a long time. That's so hard to unlearn. Mm -hmm. Anyway, salads are great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I get that though. And I think like even if you're not restricting to one time a day, if you're if you're someone who keeps a really strict eating schedule, right? Like yeah. even if it's just like, okay, we eat breakfast, lunch, dinner. Mm-hmm. Done. No snacks, which is something a lot of people do. This is yeah. a really big thing in diet culture. Yeah. Is to not snack, which is yeah. bad for you. <laughs> exactly. Well and, and I, I prickle at this idea. I've heard people say like don't eat anything after eight PM. Intermittent like, fasting is you yeah, it's bullshit. Just listening to listen to maintenance pod guys. Mm-hmm. Just go listen. Maintenance phase. Maintenance phase podcast. Please, that's their handle is maintenance maintenance pod. Yeah. Please go listen to maintenance phase. If like any of this has resonated, or like if any of this has challenged you, and you're getting mad about what I'm saying, please go listen to maintenance phase podcast. Please. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. And and like you know, 
I I will say on nights when I don't have something after 8 p.m., I feel terrible the next morning. Yeah. It's happened a couple times this week, in fact, mm. that I have woken up in the morning and felt awful. And the best thing I can compare it to is in The Sims, when your character has, <laughs> you know, they've got multiple bars that tell you how much they need X, Y, and Z. And it's like, oh, you know, how's their like bladder bar doing? How's their hunger bar? How's their sleep bar? If I wake up in the morning feeling hungry... Yeah. <laughs> My entire bar for every bar might as well be empty. I feel horrible. And, uh, you know, if that means that I eat a snack at like 10 p.m., that's great. You know, whatever. I'm going to do that. And I don't understand this push to not. Well, your blood sugar bottoms out around 4 a.m. Right. Because, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like, you know, this is why like, like morning sickness is a thing because you wake up in the morning with your blood sugar tanked. Right. Um, and, and you have to eat a little bit regularly. <laughs> right. Like, and that was like when I was pregnant and had terrible morning sickness, I was just like having to eat a little snack every few hours right. or I would throw up right. everything. I can't start talking about intermittent fasting because I will not shut up. Fair so enough. please, I'm just going to tell people, go listen to the maintenance phase episode mm-hmm. on it, please. Eat when you're hungry. Sleep when you're sleepy. Drink when you're thirsty. Your body knows how to take care of itself. Well, thank you for this. This was really lovely. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad we finally, you know, convinced Toby to go to daycare so that we could do this. <laughs> me too. So before we wrap up, uh, obviously, I always give my guests a chance to plug anything that they want to plug, you know, drop any links, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I'll mm-hmm. make sure to include them in the description of this episode for ease of access. So people who listen to this show regularly already know about the Yeah podcast. That's the podcast that I produce. Uh, What you might not know about it is that it's really accessible for anybody, even if you don't read Young Adult Lit. Um, We talk about books. We do book reviews. But we also talk about pop culture and sexuality and oof, anti-fat bias and racism and institutional bigotry through a lens of YA lit. So if that's at all interesting to you, um, you can hop on over. We just took a hiatus through August. We're going to be starting up again soon. We're, uh, we've got some exciting ideas about where we're going with the show. Um, so please hop over to Yeah Podcast and give us a listen. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I also make stuff. So if you're interested in little animals made out of fabric, uh, you can go to Instagram.com slash Waddle and Flit. Um, I sporadically sell them. <laughs> Uh, I will probably have some for sale later this year, but it's just kind of fun. I've been really enjoying making stuff and I want more people to see it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you can find my various writing and audio projects on tefferitjemian.journoportfolio.com if you feel like it. And I'm on Twitter at Tefferbear. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to reiterate, go follow, subscribe, whatever, to the app podcast. Um, you guys have your 150th episode coming out. Oh, we do. That's we like, sure do. That's coming out soon. That is the next episode that you're releasing. That is the next so. episode <laughs> we're releasing is the 150th. Oh, I guess it's time for me to get off hiatus and start planning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for doing this. And, uh, so much fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod or at TomZalatni. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, you can head to Patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate, just like Gabriel did. 
Gabriel, who got to choose the topic for this episode of the show. Thanks, Gabriel. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, in case I hadn't mentioned that already. So if that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to make it happen. Just like Gabriel did. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public. And of course, you can support me for free by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but certainly not least, this show was produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week. You understand. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. I'm October Jones, and this is- Hi, I'm Fish with Legs. I'm a fish fish. with legs. I'm the elemental creature of water, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs, starring me and my best friend, (laughs) October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish with Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- for adults and kids. (laughs) New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. Bye! Hi, I'm Anthony Giorgio, host and producer of Queer Teen Podcast. Queer Teen Podcast encourages the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Listen, learn, and love as you get to know the next queer youth leaders of the world. Queer Teen Podcast celebrates, elevates, and narrates how the LGBTQ plus community uses our voices to tell our stories. You can find Queer Teen Podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe today. And don't forget to listen, learn, and love.